Hello and welcome to the Powerhouse Politics Podcast from ABC News. I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. And I'm ABC News Congressional Correspondent Mary Bruce. We have a lot to get to, and thankfully for the listeners, without John Carl this week, who he is on vacation. We will give you the John Carl free week of lots of interesting stories, and, and actually, Mary, a week of some strange visitors to campaign events, for starters. I mean, you had people show up. Behind, I never remember this being a story before, and suddenly you had an unwelcome guest behind Hillary Clinton and the father of a mass murderer, and an unwelcome guest behind Donald Trump in a disgraced former congressman. That was a that was a bizarre couple of days. Yeah. Add this to the list of things that we never thought we'd be talking about when covering a campaign. Then the list seems to be growing. And I, you're, like you said, this has never really been an issue before. I mean, you know, occasionally we, we point out interesting people in the crowds, but not known faces, controversial known faces. And really interesting to see Hillary Clinton out there earlier this week uh, with the father of the Orlando shooter sitting right behind her while she was talking. Amazing. About that exact event. And then to have Donald Trump, while he was talking about who was sitting behind Hillary Clinton and pointing out all the friends sitting behind him, to have a former congressman who is mired in scandal sitting behind him. It's just this, you know, the symmetry of it. Uh, pretty remarkable. It is. And we got, like I said, we've got a lot to get to. And later in the show, we're going to talk to Evan McMullen, who's the latest entry into the presidential sweepstakes, the new independent candidate uh, running as a Republican. Finally, they have someone to run one. We'll also check in with Shoshana Walsh here at ABC to talk about the expanding map. Uh, as always, you can find our show at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Tune In, wherever else you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to our feed. Sometimes we even put up bonus episodes like the one that John Carl had with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just a few days ago, and you don't want to miss all of those. But, but Mary, this was supposed to be the week that, that Donald Trump got back on track. This was the week that he got beyond the con controversy, beyond the fight with the Gold Star families, beyond the intraparty fighting. You finally get Paul Ryan to the endorsement, the John McCain endorsement, and a clean slate. And the new Donald Trump is finally on display and what does he do? Second yeah, Amendment. Not so much. <laughs> Second Amendment, Mary. Second Amendment was the was the first uh, of the, um, you, know, you call it a gaffe. He says it isn't a gaffe. He says he knows he's, everyone knows exactly what he was talking about. Uh, but he does say that um, maybe there is something those Second Amendment supporters could do about a Hillary Clinton presidency and Hillary Clinton judges. And then he says that Obama founded ISIS, period. Obama, he says he's the MVP of ISIS and that Hillary Clinton is is uh, just as uh, just as dangerous and just as culpable on that front. And Mary, I, I mean, the Republicans I'm talking to, they, they, they're beyond even pulling their hair out. They're just giving up. I mean, there's there's almost disgust now in, in, in hearing this because it's not even the substance as much as the response because he doesn't seem to ever backtrack or ever admit that uh, maybe he misspoke in the slightest way. Yeah, this has become par for the course in many ways. I mean, how many times have we had this discussion? Here comes the reset. Here come the teleprompters. Maybe things will finally get turned around. And 24 hours later, we're saying, oh, not so much, not so fast. He did it again. Um, and this is part of a, a pattern for him, part of actually several patterns when you think about it. Donald Trump comes out, makes comments that raise some serious eyebrows, then tries to walk them back without you know, admitting any missteps. But the damage is already done. And in this instance, it just reinforces the fact, you know, that, that, that words matter, that the interpretation of his words matter. And it's also another example of him, you know, never really being able to admit that he crosses a line sometimes. Uh, in fact, you know, many cases proudly digging himself deeper in uh, to these comments that he makes. And as you mentioned, it's another reset blown up. You know, this is just uh, something that he can't seem to ever get over this hump. But my question, Rick, is, you know, does any of this really matter? Because while it's, you know, interesting political fodder and, and you know, certainly something that that keeps all of us on our toes, uh, all of these, uh, you know, resets gone bad 
you know, what's the impact that they're really having besides, you know, making a lot of the Republican establishment just wring their hands? And then on the other side, Republicans will see the headlines and see the vulnerabilities for Hillary Clinton. A new batch of emails uh, released uh, in conjunction with a lawsuit between her aides, among her aides, that show the intermingling of State Department and Clinton Foundation business. Uh, Those are icky storylines that continue even outside of her own emails. Donald Trump is hitting the email issue about her own server and the deleted emails pretty hard. Uh, and then the the, the, the revelation uh, now from federal officials that uh, the, the the hack of the DNC could be a lot wider than we thought. Uh, notably, Mary, in the in the in the cache of emails that were released via WikiLeaks a few weeks ago, it didn't actually include communications with the Clinton campaign itself. That's still out there. In addition to the fact that we now know via the, the New York Times reporting that the hack appears to have been targeted at the private accounts of Clinton campaign officials uh, at the DCCC at the DG the Governor's Association. So uh, lots of affiliated groups that may have had contact, not just with the DNC, but the Clinton campaign itself. These are just ticking time bombs. It's all out there for a Republican candidate to exploit. The question is whether Trump's the right guy to do it. Yeah, this is what drives Republicans bonkers, right? Hillary Clinton is not exactly having a great week either. And even though Donald Trump is hitting her on these issues, it's not breaking through. Those attacks aren't resonating because he keeps, you know, shooting himself in the foot by by making these other comments. Uh, and and that drives drives the the, the storyline instead of his attacks on Hillary Clinton. Because you know, if you think back to, to what a traditional campaign used to look like, these are not great things for her side either. <laughs> I mean, th- this batch of of emails coming out. Uh, raising questions about the overlapping interests and, and influence between the Clinton Foundation uh, and her role as Secretary of State, which we saw Donald Trump last night label pay for play, you know, raising all these questions about whether the foundation rewarded donors with access to the State Department. I mean, these aren't new charges. Um, they've come up before. Clinton has always denied it. But but it, it reinforces those concerns that a lot of voters have about Hillary Clinton, that that that, that she cannot be trusted, that 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 the the Clinton machine is too involved uh, and and it raises a lot of questions for a lot of voters but again uh, you know does that issue get get hidden uh, or those attacks from Republicans get get hidden by by, by Donald Trump's self inflicted wounds all right we're going to take a quick break right here and when we come back we are going to chat with independent candidate for president Evan McMullen hey think fast. Hey, what's this? The solution for your pain. Lidocare pain patch? Yep, the only non-water-based patch on the market blocks pain for up to eight hours. So it gives me eight hours of pain relief and stays dry? That's right. It's patent-pending technology, so it really is one of a kind. It says here it's odor-free, ultra-flexible, dry, and light. The Lidocare pain patch from the makers of Blue Emu. For long-lasting relief, you can wear. Available at CBS. <laughs> Mary here. If you like our podcast and want to check out some others from ABC News, check out abcnewspodcast.com. There's a little something for everyone over there. So take a look, tell your friends, and happy listening. Okay, let's get back to the show. We're pleased to be joined on the program Powerhouse Politics by Evan McMullen, the brand new independent candidate for president of the United States, a former CIA operative and a staffer at the House of Representatives for the Republican Conference. And Evan, uh, let's start with some nuts and bolts here. You're, sure. you're a couple days into the campaign. Yes. What ballots are you actually going to be on? Are you established? Do you have enough signatures to be on? And do you have a running mate yet? 
Uh, well, as far as signatures or, or ballot access is concerned, what I have a great team. They've been working and preparing on uh, preparing this for months. So prior to my joining the race, they were uh, laying the groundwork essentially, uh, independent of my involvement. Um, so, so there there are a number of states that uh, will be able to get on the ballots for uh, via via petitions. Uh, in addition to that, we're pursuing other means, legal challenges, as well as uh, uh, cooperating with uh, with minor parties. So there there are a range of ways, and then there's always write-ins in certain states where you know where we'd like to pursue that kind of strategy. But are there any that you're on yet? Is there any that you have enough? I know you were gathering signatures in Utah. I've heard talk about Colorado. Are there any that you're already confident that you're there? Uh, we're very confident that in the coming days that we will be on some. I mean, keep in mind we've only been in, at this for a few days now, and you can't start the process to get on ballots if you don't. I mean, there has to be a candidate, and I wasn't a candidate until Monday. So, you know, that allowed us to move forward. But there is a process, and that process is underway, and uh, and we are going to, to be able to announce some, some states uh, in the coming days. But you know, it, it's just it. It takes longer than you want it to, but but it's moving. And do you have a running mate? No, not at not at this early stage. Again, uh, just having entered the race, and I, I don't. I wouldn't expect that anytime too soon. Uh, we we're doing the things we need to do to uh, establish ourselves uh, and the and the campaign first, and then we'll turn towards that. Although we are already talking to people, we are already considering a few names and excuse me, and thinking about who we'd like to have or what type of person. So so I want to ask you about something that uh, that, that Donald Trump just said uh, in the last 24 hours. Uh, he sure. Said that, he said that, uh, that that Barack Obama founded ISIS uh, and that, that Hillary Clinton was just as complicit. He says uh, basically uh, Obama is, is behind them. He's given a chance to backtrack on that a few times. But I was struck by something you said or in a speech earlier this year where you said that, that Donald Trump is a larger threat to national security than ISIS itself. I, I, explain that. Do, would you, are you suggesting that Donald Trump is actually more dangerous than actual terrorists? Uh, yes, I, I believe that, and I, I'd be grateful for the opportunity to, to tell you why. Please. You see, our, the, our national power comes from a variety of sources. One of them is that we're very lucky to be on this place on Earth, this plot of land that's surrounded by major oceans. It's, it's hospitable for agriculture. It's very wealthy in natural resources. We are very lucky. I mean, it, it, it allows any country that is on this plot of land to be secure and therefore prosperous and then therefore very powerful. So that's one source of power. Another source of power for the United States is its ideals, the ideals of pluralism and tolerance and respect for others and freedom and liberty, all these things. Donald Trump attacks these things just in the same way that Vladimir Putin does. And he, under, by undermining our ideals, he weakens us on a, on a much larger scale than even a terrorist organization who might carry, off, carry out these horrendous attacks. Uh, it's, it's just on a whole other – it's on a strategic level that, that I, you know, many Americans perhaps might not think about, but as a former CIA guy, that, you know, this is sort of what you think about. And, and, and I see Donald Trump doing this, sort of carrying Putin's water for Putin in the United States, doing the work of Putin for Putin here. And, and yes, it is. And, and with regard to terrorism, Donald Trump, what he doesn't realize is that we actually depend on Muslims uh, to, to, to 
to do counterterrorism, to wage war against terrorists. Uh, Muslims play a key role in that. We have very strong Muslim partners. And so what happens when he attacks Muslims and when he says, you know, we don't want any more Muslims coming to the United States and, you know, other terrible things he says, then that decreases their willingness to work with us, other Muslims, and that impedes our ability to destroy to destroy ISIS. So that's what I mean by that. Uh, we we can't let our ideals be undermined because they are a critical source of power to our country. You mentioned that, that right now you're in the process of, of trying to, you know, introduce yourself in many ways to, to voters. You're a relative yeah. unknown. Uh, maybe yeah. relative is even going too far. There. I mean, you're pretty unknown. What's your I'm message? Unknown. Let's just say it. I've You're been, unknown. <laughs> when, on Monday, I had 130 Twitter followers. So now that now that's changed. I think it's up near 40. But but yes, yes, but that's true. What is your message to Republican voters? You know, who at least say, you know, they know Donald Trump. They know what they're getting with Donald Trump. Who may say, look, it's better to go with the devil they know than someone they don't. Well, I don't know. I I would say this. Uh, I spent 10 years at the CIA putting my life on the line, literally, that's not an exaggeration, but regularly putting my life on the line in war zones and other hostile environments for this country. I gave the best years of my life in the service of my country. Um, I've been trusted with some of this country's absolutely most sensitive, sensitive secrets. Um, yeah, you to sort of compare whether people can trust me or Donald Trump, I mean, it's just not even a comparison. You know, I, I, you're right. I am unknown because I've avoided the limelight so that I could serve. In the case of Donald Trump, he's avoided service so that he could seek the limelight. I mean, that's that's what's going on here. Donald Trump has never sacrificed anything for this country. And in fact, he's attacked people who have. It just makes me sick to my stomach when I see him attacking the mother of a fallen uh, of a fallen hero or John McCain. I mean, it just... It just makes me sick to my stomach that this guy thinks he's prepared to be the commander-in-chief. I mean, we just can't have that. But he has such a serious head start on you. I mean, you've missed the deadline to get on, on the ballot already in more than two dozen states. What makes you confident that at this stage you can do what so many, more than a dozen other Republicans could not, that, that, that you can best Donald Trump? Well, let me just say this. No one should be under any uh, false impression that I'm entering the race at this stage because I think it's ideal optimized timing. That couldn't be further from the truth. I wanted somebody else to do it, somebody, as you point out, with name recognition on a national level. That's what I hoped for. That's what I and millions of other Americans waited for. Uh, at a certain point, though, we were getting down to the final hour, and I think you're, you're making this point for me, when somebody could have a chance potentially. And I you know, had some conversations with people who I knew were trying to get something started, and and it wasn't looking good, and so the discussion shifted towards whether I might be willing to do it. And so that's that's why I'm I'm doing it now, not because I think it's ideal, because it's because nobody else was doing it, and I I have just such profound conviction that this needed to be done by someone for so many reasons. Let's talk about some of the implications of uh, of your candidacy, of your, sure. of your potential victory here. Now, you, let's talk about abortion rights. You've, t- you've mentioned that uh, you believe Roe v. Wade should be overturned. You'd be appointing judges uh, that would be committed to that. Uh, yes. So has Donald Trump. He's made the same commitment. Now, you know what kind of judges you're going to get with Hillary Clinton. Uh, she's going to vote. She's going to only appoint judges that would affirm Roe v. Wade and and keep a, a nationwide right to abortion. 
why why is it worth the risk just on the Supreme Court to say, well, if the independent candidate that could swing some states to Hillary Clinton, if the if the future of the court is at stake, when well, Donald Trump has said he shares your view on, largely on the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Well, I think built into your question is the premise that my candidacy is going to force Donald Trump to lose. And I just think that that couldn't be less uh, that couldn't be less correct, uh, because I entered this race three days ago. And when I entered the race, Donald Trump was 10 points behind Hillary and still inserting foot into mouth on a daily basis. Donald Trump has alienated so many people, so many religions, so many ethnicities, people with disabilities, women. I mean, you, you name it. He's He's alienated so many people in this country. He's not even a viable candidate. And the idea that he can compete against Hillary Clinton, who is also, I think, not a strong candidate. I mean, he's, he's losing badly to a candidate, to an, to, to an opposing candidate who isn't strong herself. Donald Trump is not going to win the presidency. And he's not going to win the presidency because he himself is a weak, weak candidate. So let's, I just want to say that. That is, that is the thing. He is losing. He is ensuring that Hillary Clinton uh, win the White House. So that should be that, – that's, but that's you don't where see, it is. You don't think you're, but if your candidacy takes away some Republican votes, conservative votes, doesn't that make it almost by definition more likely that he loses? Well, I think he's going to lose anyway. That's, I really do. I mean he's, he's performing terribly against Hillary Clinton. That's just – I mean those are the facts. That's what's, ha- that's what's actually happening. I mean what you're saying is sort of speculating about what could be. I'm saying this is what is happening. Donald Trump is performing terribly as a general election candidate. He, is a, he, may, have, he may have prevailed in the primaries where the vote was so fractured across so many different candidates who stayed in for too long. But, you know, but as it, in, the, in the general election, it's a totally different game. And I don't think he gets that or didn't plan for that or is, he's unable to adjust for that. He's proving that day in and day out. He's just he's he's a terrible candidate. I mean, you couldn't you, you couldn't find a worse candidate for a general election. I mean, you you can't have a general election candidate alienating all kinds of races, religions, genders. I mean, it just it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So so we need look, this is the bigger picture. This country needs a new generation of leadership. Both of these candidates offer old ideas. Donald Trump, you know, the bigotry, the misogyny. Hillary Clinton, old ideas about the centralized, top-down government, one-size-fits-all solutions from Washington, D.C. These, these ideas are, are past us. They're, they're, they're old ideas. Um, the American people are frustrated that they're not being heard in Washington. And there's something bigger happening here, and I've I've seen this in the last only in the last few days with the outpouring of, of support that we've received in in so many different categories. Americans are hungry for something new, some new approach, and and what I believe is that we need an, we need a, a a new tone that unifies and that 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 seeks to ensure the liberty of Americans to live their lives the way they want to live their lives. And again, bring people together. And I just don't see this happening with these two candidates. But if you you already say you don't think Donald Trump uh, is going to win, you've been talking at length about the flaws with his candidacy. You recognize that you're an unknown. Aren't you then in a position to ultimately just boost Hillary Clinton, who you also say is a flawed candidate, more than hurt Trump? 
And how do you feel about being in that position? Well, you're going back to the same question. Again, Donald Trump is not going to beat Hillary. So I'm not making any material difference in that regard. I mean, he is losing to Hillary because he's a terribly flawed candidate. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. So what we're focused on doing, America needs a new generation of leadership. You know, what would you say? I should, you know, this should hold off. It can wait. We can wait. We, you know, let's give it another few months or another few years. Americans are desperate for something better. They really are, and we all know it. Seventy percent of Americans for a long time have said they think the country's on the wrong track, and they have different ideas about what that means. But, man, that's, it's just so – we can't – it's unacceptable. We can't, we can't continue with the status quo with that. So at the same time, 70 percent of Americans say they're unsatisfied or they think we're on the wrong track – we have two candidates that are historically unpopular. So we, we just can't have that. We need, we need a president that Americans support and are excited about that presents a positive vision for security and for prosperity and for unity for this country. And these two candidates just aren't doing it, at least not in the eyes of the American people. One more question before we let you go, Evan. Uh, the, sure. uh, struck by a, an op-ed that appeared in the Deseret News uh, from Salt Lake City, a Utah newspaper, uh, just yesterday uh, from Hillary Clinton. And uh, I actually had a couple of, uh, of, of Mormon friends who live in Utah reach out and say this was extraordinarily well written uh, and, and actually showed a lot of thought, uh, a lot of composure. And it was not kind of a, a, a you know, a, a standard op ed that gets placed by a campaign that she appears to be thinking about the Mormon community, thinking about Utah voters, actually uh, making a play to put Utah uh, in play for her. Could you see the possibility of of Utah voting for Hillary Clinton? Well, clearly, uh, Donald Trump has put Utah in play for Hillary Clinton. Uh, so, of course, she's going to be competing here. That's that's uh, that's to be expected. Um, I, look, I, I anybody who understands the, the the importance of religious liberty in this country uh, is somebody who you know. I mean, I'm going to support those efforts, but. Hillary Clinton, I, I just she may you know writing an op-ed is one thing, but she also supports Obamacare, which has really put a lot of religious organizations and religions in a really difficult place and limited seriously some of their uh, religious freedom. So you know, it, and so I don't know. You can write an op-ed, but it's sort of you know you got to walk you got to you got to walk the talk uh, as well. And I, I'm just not sure that that she does in, in any real way. I mean, there are a lot of it's you know it, writing an op-ed is one thing, but where you really are positioned is another. In this case, I think. All right, Evan McMullen, the brand new independent candidate for president. Thanks for being here on Powerhouse Politics. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. And joining us now to talk about that expanded map is Shoshana Walsh, deputy political director here at ABC. And Shush, I, it is striking to see. We, we, you know, we're, we're still getting used to the idea that Virginia and North Carolina are battleground states. They're not red states anymore. They're purple states. They're battleground states. But now to see Arizona coming onto the map, to see Georgia coming onto the map, both states where Hillary Clinton is now starting to spend money, that, that's really striking. It is remarkable. It's not just expanding the map, as you say. It's really going after the states uh, that make red states red and the really especially georgia that's the heart uh, right. of republican country if hillary clinton is able to do that and we do know that 
before the Clinton campaign, Democrats in in those states were already trying to make inroads. If that happens, well, then does Donald Trump even have a chance? Right. And you take those away. I mean, the, the, the demography of, of an electoral map is already tilted so far to the Democrats. You go in and right. knowing you look, if, if he just wins the Romney states, of course, he loses. He needs to pick them up. And we haven't seen him get close in Pennsylvania. Uh, which you know is really critical, no matter how you do the math. Ohio, of course, Florida. It, you start to see this cascade and, and fall away pretty quickly. And, and then Utah. I mean, that that to me, it, you know, that that's a different type of story, but a striking one nonetheless. Shush, that you'd have Utah, where it just seems like Republican voters are repulsed by him. Right. It, it does seem that the electorate in Utah, which of course are Mormon or LDS voters, uh, they don't want Donald Trump. You saw that in the primary where Ted Cruz had that landslide win. Uh, a lot of uh, Mormon voters are very worried about Donald Trump's Muslim ban because they remember, um, you know, their religion is is not that old of a religion. They remember uh, how Mormons were treated in this country, and so uh, you know, I think that that fear. Uh, of that ban and of other Trump policies is weighing heavy on the state of Utah. And just when you look at the polling, right, it seems to show that that Trump's Deficits, shall we say, among women, his low numbers among Latino voters, his shrinking uh, appeal to to college educated whites. Those are all things that that seem to be uh, really having an impact on him when you look at the electoral map. What does he have to do? What can he do to seriously reverse what's going on uh, in these battleground states? I think the only thing that he can do is to focus on his opponent and to make Hillary Clinton less acceptable than himself. But Mary, as you've seen throughout this campaign, he almost refuses to do that. Uh, right now, he's been he's focused on uh, calling the president and Hillary Clinton as co-founders of ISIS. But that's really the closest to attacking his running mate we've seen on a regular <laughs> basis throughout this campaign. So, uh, you know, that's what Republicans think, too. They think he should focus on his opponent on this race. But as we've seen, it's, it's very hard to focus Donald Trump. And you know that, that path to 270, obviously growing more narrow by the day, the, 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 the thought before the convention, at least, right, was that if he won all the battleground states that Romney won, Indiana, North Carolina, had a couple victories in Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, he might be able to get there. But when you throw in these other states and you mentioned, you know, Utah and some of these other areas, it just doesn't seem that he's going to be able to get there unless he starts spending a lot of money, unless he starts, you know, turning things around, as you mentioned. Is there anything, you know, even when it comes to spend to spending, when it comes to, to putting out ads and things like that, that he could do to at least try and boost things up a little bit, in addition to, to the obvious issues that you just touched on? Right. Well, you bring up a great a great point. And it, I think it would be startling to most of our listeners to hear that in the general election, the Trump campaign has spent zero dollars on general election campaign ads. Is that that, that rounded? Is that rounded up? Yeah, that's rounded up up to zero (laughs) dollars in general election campaign uh, advertising. The Clinton campaign, by comparison, almost 56 million on TV advertising. It's really an astonishing disparity. When you think about those numbers, well, I guess Donald Trump really isn't doing that badly. That's a great point. I mean, just before we wrap here, I mean, that's a relevant point. I mean, he's got some money coming to his defense, the NRA most most notably and most recently. But to hear the Trump campaign say it, they're going to they're sitting on money. 
And the fact that it isn't ridiculously out of reach and by historic comparisons, yeah, this is a big this is a big margin. But we've seen candidates like George H. W. Bush post conventions come back from being down pretty big. We saw John McCain leading uh, at least briefly after the conventions in two thousand eight. You can close gaps, and he hasn't started on Hillary Clinton when it comes to television airwaves. Maybe maybe it still isn't as as wide a gap as it looks. Right. If I was with the Trump campaign, or if I was a Trump supporter, I should say, I think that they would be. Hard by the fact that there haven't uh, that they that the state polling is still pretty close when they aren't on the air. But the question is, why aren't they on the air? Why don't they? It's it's not they have money. We know now uh, it's very easy to put together ads. Now that's something that in past election seasons wasn't so easy. Now you can make an ad just in you know the a couple of hours really. Uh, but that's a really a question for them. Is and it, is it too little too late at this point? I mean, you know, they, they act like they're sitting on this secret weapon that they could unleash a barrage of expensive ads if they wanted to. But yet they haven't. And, and they haven't while they've seen his poll numbers tumbling, while he's been through, you know, what seems to be crisis after crisis. Would it have an impact now or is it just eh, they've waited too long? I, I think that that more voters are paying attention now than ever before. We know that traditionally a lot of independent voters are, are paying attention after Labor Day. That's not really the case now, but I definitely don't think it's too late. I think that voters are still, uh, you know, upset at Hillary Clinton. You look at the email scandal, how that much has impacted her campaign. I don't think it's too late, but when they'll do it, I mean, that's anyone's guess. And, and before we go, guys, I want to get you both on the record on this question. The debate over debates uh, has is now in full force. Uh, we know that Hillary Clinton has agreed to all three presidential and the one vice presidential debate. Donald Trump has engaged in negotiations. Uh, Mary, you can go first. Will there be debates? And if so, how many debates will Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton actually engage in? I think I'm going to go with three. I think there will ultimately be three. I think there will be a lot of public hemming and hawing over them. But but mark me down. There so will be debates. There will be three. I'm going to be the contrarian. I, I think there will only be two presidential. I think there will be a vice presidential. But I think by the time that you get to that third one, well, Donald Trump's not going to want to He's go He's not going to show up. You think he'll agree to three and then not do the third? I think that by the third Ooh. time, the one, the time the third one comes around, he won't want to go to that one anymore. Well, let me go with one. I mean, part of me says zero. One. I actually, one. I, no. I, yeah. Come on. So, no, no. Get so, out of here. Me, I, I'd start... Uh, that's why I go last, so I can I can I can I can, <laughs> I can clean up. It's like Price is Right, but I I I think there's still a chance. There's no debates because Donald Trump is entering thinking he's got some leverage in these negotiations, and they're not really even negotiations. That's Hillary true. Hillary Clinton doesn't need them as badly as Donald Trump does. So if he doesn't agree to the terms as they are signed by the Commission on Presidential Debates, they may not exist at all. But I also think the guy really likes to be the center of attention and likes to be on television, and this might be the the biggest television event of all time, bigger than the Super Bowl, bigger than the Mash finale. <laughs> This is this is real. I mean, can you imagine the showdown? And so I just I, I can't help but root for at least one of these mano a mano t- uh, showdowns. So I, I guess I guess I'm going with one, guys. Maybe maybe we'll have our first Twitter debate. All right, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, we'll just exactly. see an, an off camera Twitter war. <laughs> hey, the stranger things have happened this year. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week's edition of Powerhouse Politics. Great show. Please take a moment to rate the show on iTunes. Write us a review. Don't forget you can check out a lot more ABC News podcasts by going to abcnewspodcast.com. We'll be back. Back next week, John Carl will be back next week. Talk to you then. For Mary Bruce and Shoshana Walsh, I'm ABC's Rick Klein. Thank you for listening.